0: When we light the menorah, we have two blessings that we say. The first night we say the Shehechiyano blessing, the first time we do it, which is always whenever we do a new thing, we always say Shehechiyano, which basically means um, thanking God for keeping me alive and bringing me to this point. But uh, every time we do a mitzvah, we have the blessing. Asher kirishano be mitzvotav Baruch Asher kirishano mitzvotav Blessed are you God, our God, the King of the Universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us and then we say whatever the mitzvah is um, for the Hanukkah candles it's la'adlik ner Hanukkah to light the candles of Hanukkah for Shabbat it's la'adlik ner shal Shabbat to light the candle of Shabbat for um, washing the hands it's ala tilat for washing our hands for tefillin it's for each mitzvah we have a different so we do that blessing every time we um, light the candles, council. We have a second blessing, which is, She'asa, Baruch Hashem, Blessed are you God, our God, King of the Universe. She'asa nisim l'avoteinu, <laughs> that made miracles for our forefathers, in those times, in these days. So Hanukkah is a time of miracles. We are celebrating the great miracles of Hanukkah. And I will not repeat the story since we already told it last week. Uh, but there are two miracles in short that we are celebrating on Hanukkah. One is the miracle of the great victory. What is the great victory? The, the mighty Greek armies, um, had, was a large, Greece was a large empire that controlled Israel, and a small ragtag group of Maccabee rebels managed to um, drive away the mighty Greek armies um, from and they, um, though they were greatly outnumbered uh, by um, much, much larger armies with better weapons and better skill, they um, still managed to drive away the Greek armies and managed to make an independent Jewish state. Secondly, that was one miracle. The other miracle is a more, of a very, more of a detailed, mirror, specific miracle. When they came to the temple and there was no um, kosher oil for them to light the menorah, And they only found one flask of oil and that oil was only enough to burn for one day and miraculously it burnt for eight days. So that is, those are the two miracles of Hanukkah that we are celebrating. One is kind of a national, greatly impactful miracle and one is a miracle that was symbolic, if you will, of the menorah burning for eight days. So it's a period of miracles so it's appropriate to talk about miracles today. So our topic today is going to be, Why Don't Miracles Happen Anymore? Now, I don't know if that's true, that presumption that miracles don't happen anymore, we're going to discuss that. So, Judaism has a lot of miracles. In fact, central to the beliefs of Judaism is the belief in miracles. One cannot believe in the basics of Judaism without believing in God, of course, without believing in the Torah, but also without believing in miracles. The Torah tells us of many great miracles, particularly in the opening moments of Judaism, what we call the Torah period. Now, the Torah period is not the same as the biblical period. The biblical period is usually a very long period, lasts last thousand years over a long time. The Torah period, we're talking about the five books of Moses, the days of Moses, there were these great miracles um, after the creation. No, but there were these great miracles, particularly during the Exodus. No, um, Moses brought ten plagues on the Egyptians. First he turned his staff into a snake. Then he brings ten plagues on the Egyptians, turning water into blood, making frogs appear, making lice appear, wild animals, um, making... Um, the animals die of plague. Um, so there are ten plagues. Then later, when they leave Egypt, Moses brings them to the um, to, brings them to the sea, and over there he splits the sea, and the Egyptians drown. Another great miracle. Then, as they travel through the desert, there are many other miracles. Every day, manna falls down to them from heaven. They have water from a rock that Moses had hit that has water um, gushing out of it. Um, as different events happen in the desert, different miracles happen for them through their tra- over their traveling through the desert. They arrive at Sinai. They get this great, powerful revelation. So there are, th- there are these great miracles in the Torah itself. Later, later when they enter the Promised Land, This is after Moses' death in the days of Joshua. There are again some great miracles, two in particular. First, when they cross the Jordan River, instead of building a bridge to cross the river or wading through the river, the river is split. And then the first battle they have is with Jericho. And rather than besieging Jericho or um, trying to breach the walls, they march around the walls of Jericho seven times. And lo and behold, the walls of Jericho fall down. After that, we don't really have these great miracles happening in Scripture. There's a handful of others um, there's a handful of small ones here and there. Um, Elijah performs miracles. Elisha performs some miracles. There's a couple miracles happening later in scripture. Not too many. Definitely not as prominent. Um, there are some, but not a lot. Um, by the end, by the time um, of the exile from Babylon, there are, there are still some miracles. We have the story of Purim. We have um, Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah who survive a... Um, we have... Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah who survive a um, fire furnace. We have Daniel who survives a lion's den. And then after that, once the biblical period is over, we seem not to have these great miracles anymore. We have the Hanukkah miracle, which is during the second second temple period. Um, This is during Greek times, a little bit later, about 2,200 years ago. Um, And after that, we don't really hear much about these amazing miracles, which raises the question... Do miracles happen today? Perhaps definitely not in the same way they did back then. Why not? What changed? What changed? Why don't miracles happen the way they used to? Social media. Social media. <laughs> Why? Well, central to Jewish belief is that they did happen. Okay. So while one can disbelieve in them, um, clearly it's a central part of Judaism. But let's say we believe that it is a miracle, which we do as Jews, um, then why, why, don't, why don't they happen anymore? Yes? Maybe God, away. <laughs> God is eternal. <laughs> Yes. Um, They do happen. Uh, Sandy says miracles do happen today. Every day. Every day. day, Absolutely. Uh, But uh, the same miracles happen then. The ability to heal, the world going around, not falling off. Miracles still happen today. But births of babies are all miracles. But um, why? Large miracles, although these are large enough, uh, I think it's because he feels he's given all that we need to know. We have what we we need. Okay, so he only makes small miracles. He only makes small miracles, he doesn't make big miracles. What about the formation of America and Israel? Those Those are miracles. Formation of America and Israel are miracles. We do have miracles. Are those big? Are those significant? Are those big miracles or small miracles? What do you think? Big, it? one. It's big one, big ones. How do they compare uh, with splitting the sea? What I do you think? think? Right, right up there. Right up there. <laughs> yes, Paul. Well. Six, six day, six day war. The six day war is a great miracle. How does that compare with splitting the sea? <laughs> Definitely compares to Hanukkah. Definitely compares to Hanukkah. Which one? There's two Hanukkah miracles. There's two Hanukkah miracles. The battle. The battle one. Okay. Yes, and then I'm going to continue. Just a different perspective. You know, it seemed. Like different perspectives. Okay. So what is a miracle? Before we get to whether <laughs> miracles happen or they don't happen and why they happen, let's first we need to define what is a miracle. So the Hebrew word for miracle is "ness. Ness" is the Hebrew word for miracle. Now, the word "ness The word "ness" in Hebrew also has another meaning. What does the word nes in Hebrew mean? It means a banner. A nes is a banner. The mast of a ship is called, the sail is called a nes. Um, But any banner is called a nes. So the word in Hebrew for miracle is the same as the word for banner. Now, what do miracles have to do with so before I answer that question, I am going to first ask you another question. <laughs> the opposite of miracle is nature. Let's assume nature is the opposite of miracle. Now, let's, before we try to understand what miracles are, let's first try to understand what exactly nature is. Now, here's something interesting. In Biblical Hebrew, there is no word for nature. The first ones that came up with a word for nature, which I believe is Latin in its source, the first ones that came up, came, came up with a word for nature were the Greeks. Had a word for nature. The, in Hebrew, later in Mishnehic times, we started. We have a word for nature in Hebrew as well. The word for nature in Hebrew is Teva. Teva is the word that we developed to use for nature. Now, the the Latin word nature comes from the word natal, which means born, birth, right? Um, The Hebrew word Teva comes from the word... Teva, nature, comes from the word... Teva means nature, but that's not originally... That's not the original word. It's a word that came later. What was it before it was nature? What did the word Teva mean? It came from the word Litboa, which means to drown. To drown. Drown. That's nature? Na- drown, yeah. Nature comes from the word drown. How they figure that out? It's, you, know, um, the, you may have heard of Teva Pharmaceuticals, famous Israeli company. That's nature, right? That's nature. So... Why in Hebrew do we use for nature do we use the same word as drowning? What why do we use the same word as, sorry? Because of Noah. Noah, dr- of Noah. he didn't drown. Well, everyone around him drowned, yes. Nope. Okay. Everybody else did. Okay. <laughs> so So it really goes down to the basic Jewish belief in how our world rose. We believe, we Jews believe, that God created our universe. Believing in creation is a central Jewish belief. We spoke a couple weeks ago about how creation fits with modern science and evolution. That was an earlier topic. Uh, But we definitely believe God created our world. However... We not only believe that God created our world, we believe in a concept called constant creation. In other words, we believe that God did not create our world and hit the autopilot button and say, now it's going to run on its own. Rather, God continues to control Every single detail in our world. As things happen, God makes everything happen. Think of the animated films, right? The original Disney cartoons, right? Where every scene was a different picture, right? And you had to draw every single picture and then you flip through it very quickly and you create a film. So God essentially creates every single scene, every single thing that is going to happen within creation. And God is constantly creating and controlling every single part of creation. Today, um, they didn't have this example in earlier times, but today our best example is our digital world. I think I've given the example before in this class because yes. it's such a great example. In our digital world, if you are playing a computer game, and let us say you sh- throw the ball on the computer, you hit the mouse, you hit the joystick, and it throws the- on your Xbox, and it throws the ball. Anyone here have an Xbox? Yeah. No? Okay. Your grandchildren do. Children <laughs> kids do. Okay. So, so the... Um, <laughs> So you hit the joystick on the Xbox, and I don't need it, don't worry. Uh, And um, the ball flies, you throw the ball, and then it flies up a little bit, and then it comes down. Why did it come down? Gravity, of course, right? The ball on your screen comes down because of gravity, right? No, of course not. And then it hits the bottom and it bounces. Why does it bounce? Why does it bounce? Because of the friction created with the ground that it hit? Equal No. So the reason why your ball, when you drop the ball on the screen, is because the programmer that wrote the program for it programmed it in such a way that when you drop the ball, it's going to fall, and then it's going to bounce, and then it's going to fall again, and then it's going to bounce again. That's the way it's been programmed. In fact, what well, you could try doing, and try doing this in your browser, um, hit the t- um, click on the right button on your mouse, and it all gives you a bunch of options come up, and then hit view source. So you could do this in your browser, like in Chrome or in um, Explorer. Uh, not Explorer anymore. I forget what it's called today. Edge. Edge. Um, so hit the browser, and you'll be able to see that it suddenly all those pictures go away. And what do you see now? Code. 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 All you see is code. That's all it is. It's really just code. So it looks like gravity, but it's really not gravity. It's the programmer programming it that it should work in exactly that way. So how does our world work? We believe that everything in our world is built on code. Divine code, that is. And God is programming and the programmer is controlling every part in our world. And he programs it in such a way that it looks like gravity. Every time you drop something, it falls. Why does it fall? That's the program. The program is just like on your screen. When you drop it, it falls. And it bounces. That's all in the program. So it's all programmed that way. And you kind of take it for granted. That's the way it's supposed to work. Because that's the way the program works. But it's all really programmed that way. So what then is nature? Nature doesn't really exist. It's not a real thing. That's why originally in Hebrew, there was no word for nature. Because nature never actually exists. There is no such thing. It's just the program. So what then is nature? Nature is God doing, but not just God doing things. God making things happen in a systematic, predictable manner. God made a rule called gravity. And he wrote gravity into our program. The master programmer wrote gravity into the program. So now every time you drop the ball, it falls. Why? The program says it should fall. It's all the programmer making it happen. So God made everything happen in a very, very predictable manner. In rules by way which our world works. So what happens is, you play your computer game, and every time you throw the ball on the computer game, say you're playing batting cages, and you hit the ball every time on the computer game with your joystick or with your mouse, you hit the ball, and it flies exactly as you hit it, and it moves exactly the way it's supposed to, and you make contact, your bat on the screen makes contact with the ball, and there it goes. And then it bounces perfectly. And then what happens? And so after a while, you kind of expect that's what's going to happen. What, so much so that as you're playing your computer game, you're so engrossed in your computer game, you don't even realize that it's all programmed. You're so involved in your website, that your browser that you're on, you forget that there's a program. It's all just being programmed. But you don't realize that. You're busy on Google or whatever game you're playing or whatever website you're on. And then suddenly it freezes. Ever happened to you? Right? You get frustrated, right? Suddenly it freezes. Then you realize it's just a computer, right? You are so engrossed in it, suddenly it freezes. Or suddenly there's a blackout and it turns off. And the whole thing disappears. But as long as you're engrossed in your program, you don't think about the programmer. You don't think that it's a program, it becomes expected. It happens so many times that it becomes expected. So the pre- because it happens again and again and again and again and again, we expect it to happen again. We think it's going to happen one more time. The predictability of it makes us assume it will continue happening and we forget there's a programmer. You don't even notice the programmer. Because it happens so, in such a predictable way. Imagine a child who every day, his mother makes supper for him, every single day. And every day mom makes dinner for him, and he begins to expect dinner. What happens one day when the child's not behaving, mom says... You don't listen to me, I won't make you dinner anymore. The child says you can't do that. You're expected to make dinner. That's part of what you're supposed to do. Why? The child takes it for granted that the parent has to make dinner for them. It's happened every single day of their life so far, they assume it's going to happen further, right? They don't even entertain the possibility that it won't happen. So when someone keeps doing something for you, it becomes unpredictable. You expect it to continue. You don't even give them credit for what they did. You don't even notice who's doing it. You don't notice who's going through all that hard work, putting it together. It becomes expected. It's predictable. So what happens is predictability drowns out the Creator. When something becomes predictable, when something (coughs) always, 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 always happens, well, then that just happens. Why? It just happens. You don't think about why it happens. You don't think about who makes it happen. So did you ever think about why your feet stay stuck to the ground and you don't fall upwards? Did you ever think about it? You learned in school, Newton's Law. It's gravity, right? We know why. Now... (coughs) Who made gravity? Who ensures that our reality always follows gravity and doesn't rebel against gravity or doesn't change gravity? Who holds gravity in place? There could not be gravity one day. Who decided that there has to always be gravity? <coughs> so we we just take that for a given. It's always happened. So we assume then that it always will happen. If it always did happen, we assume it always will happen. So, and we then take it for granted and we don't think it will ever get taken away. So essentially, what then is nature? What then is nature? Nature doesn't really exist. Nature is not a real thing. Nature is just the predictability that God put into the program when he created, as He creates our world, the predictability. What we call the rules... That makes it predictable. And that predictability drowns out God. That predictability makes us forget the creator. Hence the word nature, teva, is drowning. It drowns out the creator. Drowns out the creator. It covers over, like drowning, you get stuck inside something. It covers over the creator. We're, we're stuck. Heavy stuff, yes. We're, we're, we're aware of it. We're not aware of it, and in fact, a person could go through their entire life without ever noticing God behind what they're doing, just as a child could go through their entire childhood years without ever realizing that it's their mother that makes them dinner. So are we becoming more God-like with our technology? We should be. We spoke about that a few weeks ago, technology and God. So, because we uh, expect something to happen, the predictability of it, when it doesn't, when things don't work right, then we become very aware. Exactly. Exactly. So, now, why does God make our system so predictable? Why does God indeed make gravity? Why didn't God make it that sometimes... You fall downwards, and sometimes you fall upwards. <laughs> Why did God make it so predictable, so many rules of physics and everything, and chemistry and biology, and everything is so organized and so structured, and everything works in such a predictable way? Why did God make it so predictable? So, we can live, exist on Earth. so there's two reasons. There's the basic reason, and then there's the real deeper reason. The basic reason is, well, you wouldn't be able to live life if you didn't know what would happen next, right? You didn't know if you would go upwards or downwards, you would definitely never be able to develop anything in science if we didn't have any predictability. If we couldn't understand how things worked and we couldn't understand the rules of nature, the w- rules that God made, there would be no way to pr- there would be no way to build our world. Our world would be totally unusable so it would be chaotic right could you imagine life with no rules there would be no medicine if there were no rules of biology we wouldn't be able to make any of the wonderful materials we make now with chemistry if there'd be no rules of chemistry there wouldn't be any engineering with no rules of physics we would have nothing if we didn't have rules so rules make our world livable we wouldn't be we wouldn't plant if we didn't know things would grow so rules make our world livable That's the simple reason. But there's a deeper reason why God did this. God wanted that he should be drowned out. God wanted that we should not visibly see him in creation. The Midrash tells us that God made the world, originally made the world, with what's called Midat hadin, Literally translates the attribute of judgment, but it means by God being covered, by God being hidden. Only later did he bring in revelation. I'll soon talk about how he brought in revelation. God originally created the world in a way that, our, that God is totally covered in our world. God is not easily visible. Why did he do that? Why did God make himself not easily visible? In order to challenge us, if God was very easily visible in our world, if we always saw God in everything that we did, God was just obvious, then yeah, you wouldn't do anything wrong, right? Life would be too easy, right? There would be no challenges if you saw God everywhere. So, God created a world where we are unaware of God, generally. We are mostly unaware of God. He created a world where everything works in such an organized fashion. The program works so perfectly that you almost never notice the program. And then he said, okay, now you've got to try to figure this out. Now you're on your own. You have no easy um, visibility of God. Now You got all these challenges now try doing the right thing let's see how you do so in order to challenge us God gave us um, the predictability of our world in order to give us choice God gave us the predictability made our world extremely predictable Teva, nature, drowning out the creator, drowning out the programmer. It is such a perfect program. It never crashes, unlike your computer. (coughs) It never breaks down, unlike your car. It works perfectly. Everything works in a predictable manner. Now, God still has control. (coughs) Although our world is predictable, God still controls everything. And that's because as predictable as our world is, it's only predictable in a, to a certain extent. There's still an inherent in unpredictability within our world. And today, modern science understands, it's called the Heisenberg Principle in physics, uh, modern science understands that on the micro level, there is inherent unpredictability in our world which over the long term impacts um, an inherent unpredictability on the macro level too which is why we never know the weather more than 10 days out because there is an inherent unpredictability in our world and so there is room for God both in the God controls the, the human mind to some extent and within our own nature there is movement for God within the system to manipulate the system And we believe God does. God is in control. He doesn't just follow set rules, but he's not just a programmer that wrote the program and walks away from it. But God is actually the programmer who as you're playing the game continues to update the program and continues his programming as you're you're playing. He's doing it As he's involved in our program and controlling every detail of the program as we're playing it. And he, within the rules that he made, without breaking those rules, is able to manipulate the program. And we believe he does everything according to his plan. Now, sometimes he does things we don't like. And why he does things we don't like is an excellent question, which I know someone's soon going to ask. So it's a subject for another class. We recently addressed it in our JLI class, and we will address it, hopefully, in many, many, many more times. It's the most common question I get asked, and I think it's the question that we've done more classes on than any other question. Yes? Uh, What about floods and droughts? That's uh, predictable, unpredictable. uh, God manipulates. God manipulates... The rules of nature to do what he wants to make it rain, to make it not rain, to make floods, to make droughts. A lot of the, there's a lot of unpredictability in that. A lot of inherent unpredictability in that. And so God controls everything in a way. He makes it all work out the way he wants it to. He has that power to manipulate our world without breaking the rules of nature that he created. So he's able to manipulate our world now. Normally. We don't notice those manipulations. God can manipulate our world in ways that are very, very difficult to see. God manipulates our world all the time and is manipulating us in every detail and we do not even notice it. We call those daily, daily miracles, perhaps you could call them. God is manipulating every detail. The very fact that we are alive. Do you know how many... Organs in your body have to function properly just in order to remain alive, and everything has to function. And it's so easy for one thing to change. Or think about when you drive somewhere. This is a great example. Think about when you drive somewhere. Anyone ever got into a little fender bender accident or anything a little bit worse? Right, destroys your day. Right, you got to wait here. You got to call the insurance. You got to it's. Right? ruins your day let alone it's the, the damage is under your deductible and, uh, it's, right? it's a mess you get into a bigger accident and then you're in the doctor's office and God forbid if you end up in hospital or even worse Right. now how many times when you drive on a longer drive how many times do you get almost misses how many times do you almost miss oh all the time I know I know, and we're all good drivers, right? right. So, all the time. Now, that one time that it happens, that one time that it happens, oh, why did it have to happen today? Why did it happen? But when you think about it, you got so close to that so many times, every single day, for those that drive daily, every single day you have close hits, close misses, where you almost did, and you didn't. And your whole, you know, your day could have been turned around in a moment. How many almost misses do you get? And so we don't even realize that some of it has to do with our own, we control it to some extent, but not always. Sometimes those almost misses were not us. Sometimes the other person noticed that before us, uh, they beeped or something. Um, and so we didn't hit someone. So, and we had and this is not just in tri- This is in everything in life. There are so many almost misses today in medicine. We've, de- we've now we've developed, um, we've developed scanning techniques, or um, uh, to be able to find all sorts of things that we were never able to, f- to find previously. And many of you may have experienced this. I have, where they find something that they think might be a problem, and they have you check it out. And what we're discovering more and more is that a lot of these minuscule problems, things that could turn into a problem, most of the time actually don't. So our bodies are growing tumors, for example, all the time. And we manage to resolve it on our own. It's only the rare time, God forbid that we don't resolve it on our own, that we don't take care of it. So we don't even realize how God is manipulating our world to our benefit every single day, all the time. God is manipulating everything, and we don't even notice it. We don't pay attention to how he's manipulating within the rules of our world. We don't pay attention to it. We could call that daily miracles. But they're not really miracles because you don't notice them. Once in a while, God sends us a reminder. God sends us a reminder. In case you forgot who's running the show, in case you forgot about the programmer, God sends us a reminder every once in a while. How does he do that? He makes the totally unexpected happen. He makes things totally out of the blue happen, and things just fall into place in a totally unexpected way. And, um, and this happens to everyone throughout their lifetime unexpected things it just you just happen to be in the right place and right and things just fell into place well until things go wrong you don't normally notice that you need help mm-hmm. right until you get until you know you're sick you don't notice that God's making you healthy all those tumors that came, you, you didn't notice. The fact that you're breathing every day, you don't notice, right? Until it's your lungs, you start having lung trouble. So you don't notice the things that are working. What you notice is the problems. And, but God, every once in a while, sends us some real trouble and then shocks us into remembering that, and then does something un- totally unexpected. And this happens to all of us all the time. Um, sometimes in greater ways, sometimes in smaller ways. And this is what we call miracle. The Hebrew word for miracle we said before is ness, a banner. The miracle is God holding up the banner, high. in case you forgot about me, here I am. It's God's banner reminding you that he's there. So for those of us that forgot about was so predictable we didn't notice the programmer, every once in a while as you're playing your game, suddenly the ball doesn't go downwards, it goes upwards. Or suddenly the computer freezes. It's God's way of saying, Hi, I'm here in case you forgot about me. Here I am. So God sends us these miracles, and these miracles happen to us all the time. And they really happen in... Major, at major moments in our lives, and I always encourage people to think back into your own life, most major events in our lives, whether it was the school that we got into, whether it was our first job, whether it was other major career changes that we had, whether it was meeting our spouse, whether it was meeting our good friends, most major events in our lives did not happen by going to a career counselor who showed us which career to go to. And then we sent in, we, we created a resume with one of those resume um, people that help us, um, train us for interviews. And then went and did all the interviews and then found the right job. That does happen sometimes, but most people, most of the time, that's not how it works. You don't find your spouse by going on with those. Some people find their spouse on the dating sites um, after flipping enough time. Most people don't. Even today, most people don't. Most people happen to be in the right place at the right time. God sends us things our way. We just happen to be there at the right time, at the right place. And Most major events in our lives happen like that. It's God's way of reminding us that there's no rule, there's no kind of order to make things work out. You have to always, there's certain things that you could do that are helpful, and sometimes they work, but ultimately you have to rely on God. Ultimately, he's in control and he makes it work. So God, throughout our lifetimes, makes these miracles on personal levels, on the micro, on personal levels, God makes us miracles. God also makes national miracles for us. And some mentioned earlier, we've had in our own lifetime, we've had many such miracles, the creation of the state of Israel, the fact that they were able to create a state. Um, the Six-Day War, um, we, I gave a course on the Six-Day War and studied quite a bit about it. So um, anyone who tells the Six-Day War was a, not a miracle, it was a miracle. Um, in other words, the unexpected happened. Um, although I think um, our CIA over here, who has a horrible record, um did predict that Israel was going to win in the way that it did. Um, Israel's own intelligence didn't predict that. And um, neither do we know today. Too many things went right that should not have gone right. So just Um, the right number of things went right. Yes, the right number of things went right. Um, The right number. And many, many things just happened to fit into place. and just, a, just a basic, ex- a simple example from the Six-Day War. In their very first attack um, in the Six-Day War, which was a plan to, within an hour, destroy the entire Arab combined, Arab air force, and Israel used almost every single plane that it had, leaving only four planes to defend its own airspace. They could have easily lost planes. Um, they lost, I think, only four or maybe five. The, uh, less than, only a handful of planes were lost, um, out of almost 200 planes that were sent and not only that to destroy the air force they had they expected an average of and Israeli pilots were really good and an average they, they expected that an average of 20 to 25% hits they ended up with an average of over 50% hits Doub- more than double what would have been normal, would it, what would have been expected, what they had seen in training. So, I mean, just all these things that happened. And we've seen similar miracles um, again and again throughout our lifetimes um, on a macro level. Now, sometimes horrible things happen as well. Why God does them, we don't know. In a sense, I would tell you, sometimes bad things also serve as a... Miracle, in other words, as God reminding us that He's here when unexpected negative things happen too. Sometimes, yeah. in such a way, they also shock us. Um, they also, the unexpected happens. We, why bad things happen again, is a subject for another class. But I will do want to point out one thing that even when bad things happen, there are unexpected good things happening simultaneously. And there was a great book. Um, Written um, There's a series called Small Miracles. Um, anyone heard of the series? It's a New York Times bestseller called Small Miracles by Yita Halberstam. Um, so there's actually, in that series, they have a book called Small. It's a great, if you haven't read Small Miracles, get it. It's, it, there's a, whole, it's a whole series. They have like, I don't know how many books, a bunch of them. Um, great just stories of miracles, small miracles that happen in people's lives. One of their books is Small Miracles of the Holocaust. And what's amazing is speak to any survivor. There's a few hundred thousand survivors, six million were killed. Those few hundred thousand survivors, each one have these crazy stories about how they survived. They just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Each one um, is a crazy story. And we're actually going to have, in February, we have a fellow coming um, who discovered the unbelievable story how those 300,000 survivors survived um, because this woman in Switzerland managed to somehow convince Himmler to end the Holocaust in November of 1944. Rabbi Yossi spoke about it on Chavez. Yes. It, just, it was just um, published recently, Some that was really a um, very recent discovery, uh, that the Holocaust ended six months before the end of the war, saving about 300,000 Jews in an unbelievable turn of events. So... Even when these horrible things happen, also the unexpected good also seems to keep popping. So God makes these amazing stories, these miracles, a nest, a banner. God says, hi, I'm here in case you forgot about me. Here I am. Pay attention. Notice this. We could choose. Some of them are more obvious. Some of them are less obvious. We choose what we want to notice and what we don't want to notice. Sometimes people are stubborn and refuse to notice their miracles. Uh, But God sends us miracles all the time in um, in order to shock us, in order to remind us that he's there. But those miracles that God sends us, he doesn't break the rules that he made. God made rules. And he made rules in order to have a structure in our world, in order that everything should be predictable. And so God, when he makes miracles, he doesn't break the rules to make miracles. He makes miracles by manipulating the rules. The right person ends up in the right place at the right time. There was... something wrong was going to happen, and it didn't happen for whatever reason. God makes miracles almost always within by manipulating the rules that he created in unexpected ways he never breaks those almost never breaks those rules because he made the rules he doesn't want to break them he wants that predictability to be there otherwise the whole science falls away otherwise our reality falls away so he never breaks almost never breaks those rules Only at one unique moment in our history did God shock us into recognizing him. Earlier we said, when originally God created the world, he created the world where he is hidden. And then he reveals himself through miracles. But God needed to reveal himself in person, where God was so obvious that no one would ever deny him. So God revealed himself one time in history. When was this time in history? It was over 3,000 years ago. It was over 3,000 years ago in a series of events starting with the Exodus, uh, with the 10 plagues, with the splitting of the sea, with the man in the desert, with the revelation at Sinai all the way through till the fall of the walls of Jericho uh, when they came to the promised land. God made these miracles not because he needed miracles to get the Jews out of Egypt. In fact, Moses in the Torah tells Pharaoh God doesn't need these miracles in order to let his people free. If God wanted to let his people free the easy way, he could have just struck all the Egyptians with plague and the Jews would go free. That easy, right? He could have manipulated, right? Plague is common. He could have manipulated nature, Right? By making a plague spread among Egyptians and not hit the Hebrews and just the manipulation of the rules without any without breaking any rules and the Jews would have walked out free would have been that easy so that 's not why he did it he could have made them capture Jericho also without the walls falling down they could have gone free it could have happened without any of these earth, nature shattering miracles. Why then did God do it, Moses says, only for one reason. He wants his people to know about him. He wants us to be aware of him. He wants us to see God one time in history. So God said, one time in history I'm going to show you God. You're going to see that by the, shattering the rules, by breaking the rules. Only one time in history. And that's it. I'm not going to do it again. I'm only going to break the rules one time in history. Now, there were other times in earlier biblical times, there were a handful of times where God broke the rules again, on s- much smaller levels. There were a handful of times that God broke the rules for a different reason, In uh, each one for its own unique reason. The last time that we have recorded that God actually broke the rules was the Hanukkah miracle with the oil, where God wanted to show them that although many Jews at the time were Hellenist, and um, in other words, they had adopted Greek ways, the Maccabees had won the war, but they hadn't yet won over all the people. God wanted to show the people, um, want to show himself to the people. It happened then. We don't have a record of it happening since. It may have happened on a small scale that was not widely recorded. Um, but God generally only broke the rules by the exodus and doesn't break the rules since now it would be really nice if god did it would be really nice if god showed himself to us it would be really great if god showed us a sign and not a sign where the unexpected happens that happens to people all the time when people turn to god say show me a sign and they cease it's the unexpected happens but it'd be really nice. But even then, if the unexpected happens, you can easily say, well, it just happened, right? How do you know it's God? So it'd be really nice if God actually made real miracles, splitting of seas, uh, miracles that shatter nature. That would be great. And people ask all the time, why doesn't God just show me? It would be great. Except he chooses not to. He doesn't want to because it'd be too easy. It'd be too easy if we had miracles. God said, I'm doing it once and once only. You're on your own after this. You've got to figure this out yourself. So he only did it once. He's not going to do it again. What he does though is he still shows us miracles that don't break the rules. Miracles when the unexpected happens. When we get to see how God is manipulating nature. We get to see where... Everything was going wrong, and we turned to God, and then suddenly things turn out. And it happens all the time, and I see it all the time. I see it in the community, it happens to people, um, and many people can tell you stories. And sometimes we seem to notice it, and sometimes people just ignore it. Sometimes a miracle happens, God sends their way, and another one happens, and they choose to ignore it. And ultimately, because God made these miracles all within nature without breaking the rules, it really is up to us. It's up to us to choose to notice it. It's up to us to choose to notice God when the unexpected happens or to choose to ignore it. But we do believe that there are miracles every single day. If we only notice those miracles, if we only pay attention to those miracles, we are able to see God within those miracles.